This is The Space Shot, episode 15, for May 29th, 2017. That's no moon, it's two space stations. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. It's time to spend a few days in low Earth orbit with Skylab and the International Space Station. It's been just a couple of days since the crew of Skylab 2 launched in 1973, Skylab 1 was launched on May 14, 1973, on the last Saturn V rocket. A really quick note before we dive into anything else on how the Skylab missions were numbered, there was a miscommunication that resulted in the mission patch for Skylab 2 reading as Skylab 1 with a Roman numeral, and then Skylab 3 had its emblem read Skylab 2 with a Roman numeral, and finally Skylab 4 had its mission patch read Skylab 3, but not in a Roman numeral. Super clear. Now that we've got that out of the way, Skylab 2's mission lasted 28 days, 49 minutes, and 49 seconds, doubling the previous record for the longest American space flight by Gemini 7, which was in space for 13 days, 18 hours, and 35 minutes. We're already three days into where Skylab 2's mission would be, so we're going to get caught up real quick here. First, here are the names of the astronauts that made up the crew for Skylab 2. Commander Charles P. Conrad Jr. was on his fourth and final space flight. Science pilot Joseph P. Kerwin was flying on his only space flight. And pilot Paul J. Weitz was on his first space flight. The three astronauts had their work cut out for them when they arrived on station because Skylab had suffered extensive damage during the launch on May 14th. Vibrations during the launch caused the sun and meteoroid shield to rip off Skylab, immobilizing one of the solar panels and severing the other off completely. Be sure to check out the Facebook page for the space shot because I'm going to be posting pictures that show the extent of the damage to the side of the station that lost the solar panel. Wiring from where the solar panel should attach to the station is clearly visible as that panel was literally torn from its socket. Once NASA had an idea of what happened with Skylab, their task was to figure out how to fix it. Originally, Skylab 2 was scheduled to lift off the day after Skylab 1, but the extensive damage to the station meant that ground crews began working around the clock to come up with fixes to the numerous problems that had developed. This frenzied activity occurred over the following weeks up until launch day, essentially. Just truly incredible the amount of work that went into making sure Skylab stayed operational. There were three critical problems NASA had to solve. First, ground crews could rotate the spacecraft to prevent it from overheating, but power limitations meant that the remaining solar panels on the Apollo telescope mount had to be pointed at the sun almost continuously. This combined with a limited supply of reaction control fuel meant that NASA needed to move fast before Skylab 2 lost all of its station-keeping fuel. The second problem was the loss of one solar panel and the other one being jammed meant that the station wasn't getting enough power. To perform any valuable science during the mission, they had to ensure that Skylab would get the power it needed to power everything from the telescope to the life support systems in the spacecraft. The third problem was that the meteoroid shield and sunshade was completely missing, which meant that the station was getting dangerously hot inside, on the order of roughly 130 degrees Fahrenheit. That was threatening food supplies, medicine, experiments, and the film that the astronauts would use to record the mission. Tomorrow I'm going to talk in more detail about how these obstacles were overcome, so you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode. Before I go today, I do want to touch on the first mission that docked with the International Space Station. On this day in 1999, the Space Shuttle Discovery became the first spacecraft to dock with the ISS. 
At the time of docking, there were only two modules at the space station, the Zarya module and the Unity module, just a tiny fraction of the number of modules that make up the current station. Discovery delivered one and a half tons of supplies to the station for future missions, and in a Facebook post, I'll link to some pictures of what the station looked like in 1999 versus what it looks like now. Thank you guys for listening to the show. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review on iTunes, and you'll soon be able to leave a review in Google Play Music as well, because the show's going to be available there soon. Please be sure to share the space shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, everywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.